This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. We are in Bentonville, Arkansas and in the motherland and uh, here with our founder, uh, Rocky Fleming. Welcome, Rocky. Thank you, Brian. Good to be here. Yeah, and it's this is a very special week for Christians especially, but all people, uh, whether they know it or not. The week of Easter where we commemorate uh, what Jesus did for us and and we you and I, Rocky, have as long as we've been doing these podcasts, we always like to pause and and have a mo- a real moment of reflection and and trying to worship Jesus with these podcasts. And Rocky, you love to get into the drama of them. I think it's because you're such a great storyteller. You love to get into the moment and with your imagination of what was yeah. going on and really see it like you're really there. And I, and I was thinking about John as one of the guys that was there was a great storyteller and he wrote all these things down. And so uh, today is Thursday when this podcast comes out and this is the, the day before Jesus died. This is the night that he had, he was really looking forward to celebrating this Passover meal with his disciples, which there's so much significance around the Passover, which we could talk about perhaps, but uh, let's talk about, uh, I guess I'll, let me read John 13 a little bit, Rocky, just to tee us up here. And let's talk a little bit about what was going on the night before Jesus died. And uh, in John 13, it says, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, says in the ESV. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Jesus said, the one who's bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of him. That's why he said not all. Well, he he says, uh, for he knew was about to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. When he'd washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet, one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So with that, Amen. Rocky, what uh, what comes to your mind? Uh, there's so much in that, but yeah. what, what comes to your mind, Rocky? 
Well, uh, let me let me build a foundation of answering that question. You had mentioned something, something and that is that uh, one, the uh, Christians around the world are celebrating this time because this is Holy Week and it's actually the best best week of our life because what it leads to and and there are people around the world that uh, that don't know this, but it still benefits them because it gives them the ability to access God through Jesus Christ, even though they don't know him yet. And, you know, it's funny because uh, early on the week, Monday, uh, we were discussing a similar thing, and that is uh, Palm Sunday, and that uh, the people there were laying palm branches down, and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And, you know, all these years I've been reading that, Brian, and I didn't know what Hosanna meant, so I went and looked it up. And I told you guys, I asked you, I said, do you know what it is? Nobody answered. It was kind of like a deer in the headlight. <laughs> and uh, I said, it means uh, save us. Uh, save us. And with them laying the palm branches down and, and, and shouting Hosanna to the, you know, the son of David, uh, the Messiah. They were in essence saying, here's, he is, here is the one who is here to save us. So the question was, we, you think all those people really understood what they were saying? Did they really understand this? And the answer is no, because a lot of those people who were saying that were later on the week saying, crucify him, crucify him. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that are, that's given to people they're not aware of. There are some things that are prophetic and teach us ahead of time guidance and and what that taught us and they didn't even know it but they were prophesying that here is the savior here to save us and they didn't even know that and so i think that that this happens a lot i think it happened in that upper room i think when uh, jesus washed the disciples feet at the time i don't think they got it they didn't understand it and I think that that is uh, probably the discussion we're going to have, and that is, what does it mean? What is the significant thing here that Jesus did when he washed their feet? And, you know, there's that other part that says that what I've done to you, do to unto yourself, each other. In other words, let's break down what that washing of feet means. And I think, honestly, that we have to get into the picture of this, and that is we're talking about the king of glory. We talk about he who was in heaven and laid down his crown and then came in the form of a baby and lived out his life and lived as a bondservant. And that's mentioned in Philippians about being a bondservant. And what is a bondservant? It's someone who sells himself uh, into basically uh, indent indentured service to, to pay off a debt or whatever. And if you look at that, what was Jesus doing? Why was he a bondservant? He was selling himself. He was giving him. He was he was paying a debt. What is that debt, Brian? What do you think it is? Mm. All the the sin, this, this, are you talking about the washing of the feet or just his whole life as a bondservant? About this aspect of the debt that he that he paid. He's paying our debt. The debt there you go. Our sin that, that uh, we would be we'd have to pay it in hell That's if it right. wasn't for Jesus. So now we're connecting the dots, right? Savior, yeah. 
a bond servant, and now he's giving us a model. And the model is that he did not demand to lead like most kings do. He showed us a different way. He showed us what true servant leadership is. Uh, he had every right to tell them to wash his feet. Fact is, is that that probably is, you know, a custom that some, the greater one in there is the one who's always served. And uh, he doesn't have to lift hand or foot or get on knee. That's the culture. He defied culture. And so what he did is he wrapped a towel around him. He got on his knees. He took those old dirty feet that had been wa walking those dirty, dusty Palestinian roads. And you can imagine what they would look like. And he put them in a pail of water and he washed them. And, uh, and then when he got through, then we see what he did. He said, I've left you. I've left you an example for you to follow. And so those are the initial thoughts that come to my mind. And that is, why did he do it? It was as an example, but what, what does that mean? So why don't you take it from there and tell me what you think it means? Well, I, I just want to back up one second because I and I think most people, yeah, I don't know, most people understand this, but maybe not. Um, the Passover, the meal that they were sharing was commemorate. It was very important to the Israelites because it and the Jews because it commemorated their rescue from God when they were leaving Egypt, and uh, that's when that when God had had enough and was ready to release them, and he he struck down the the firstborn children, right, of, of those who didn't have the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. But for right. those who had the blood of, the, of the, an unblemished lamb over their doorposts, uh, the angel of death passed over those households. And, and it's just so amazingly symbolic and relevant that Jesus now is, the, he is the Passover lamb. He, his death the next day and his blood, which he actually talks about in the Lord's Supper later in the meal, was going to be the blood over our doorpost that's going to save us from death. And I mean, it's just so significant and amazing. And I don't know that they realized all that was going on at the time. I'm not sure we realize it, <laughs> but, but uh, I think uh, I'm just trying to think about, cause he says, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but later you will understand. I'm, I'm wondering if the later was after the cross, after they saw, what he the, the extent to which he was going to serve them. I mean, washing their feet was nothing compared to what he was about to do mm -hmm. on the cross. Yeah. I, I'm just kind of keying in on that part. What do you think he was talking about when he said later you will understand? Well, I think I think a lot of a lot of revelation was uh, uh, things like that were understood when the Holy Spirit came uh, and he came yeah. into them and he began to connect the dots and he says that. The Holy Spirit will help them understand what he had taught them and help them recall. You know, there was another instance not, not long before that, that he had a lot of followers that were following him around. And then he looked at him and said, I tell you, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then he left it right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, why in the world he do that? Except the fact is, is that he pruned a lot of, followers that were pretenders. It says most of the people left. That's right. And, and so, and then he looked at his disciples, you're going to sleep, you're going to leave too. 
what Peter say? Where are we, where would we go? Yeah, <laughs> where so we're all in. Have, yeah, we're all we're all in. Now, now that's a that's a significant thing if you're going to be a disciple of Christ. You got to be all in. Now, let me ask you: Do they? Do you think they understood at that moment what he had told about eat my flesh and drink my blood? Because that was symbolic. But the people were thinking he's talking about cannibalism. Yeah, he did. He didn't explain himself, right? I, you know, I, I love what you just said about the Holy Spirit was the one who gave full understanding mm-hmm. to it later. But I bet they had lots of conversations in their when they locked themselves in their rooms after his death, trying to process mm-hmm. all, and probably remembering all these stories and things they witnessed. And it started to maybe they start connecting the dots. But the Holy Spirit probably did make it clear. Well, here's what here's some conversation that you'd probably hear. One guy says, you know, the, the Passover talks about a lamb, a lamb of God. Do you think Jesus is that lamb of God that that it was pointing to, you know, we drink wine and everything, the Passover, and, and it's a, it's a service of remembrance of being deliverant, delivered from, from Egypt. Uh, do you think that the blood over the doorpost and all of that is pointing to this time of Jesus is coming and is crucified and gave his body as a living sacrifice, a lamb of God, and by his flesh dying, his blood, that we are exempted from the death angel? Do you think maybe that's what he was saying? Now now the, the clarity starts coming, and they see the hundreds of years of, of traditions that were always pointing, always pointing to the promise and Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise, always pointing to the salvation that was going to be by way of grace, not works, always pointed to the sacrificial lamb of God that would take away the sins of the people, not temporarily as it had been before, but permanently. Mm. Now they start to connect the dots and say, oh, now I understand, but I, think- I, I was. It just occurs to me, and I've never thought this before, but I think God, this is where God really used Paul, because Paul really understood. He was yeah. a scholar. He was yeah. a Pharisee. He understood what had happened in the past more than any any of them, probably. Yeah. And and then he probably was able, from his his perspective or his view of the parade, as you always say, he probably was able to put it all together. Oh you yeah. Know, guy who hated Christians at one time, and then all of a sudden, it just his eyes were open to this revelation. And God used all of that knowledge and all the things that were being used against the church. Uh, and then when he was converted, it was used for the church, for the building yeah. up the church. But, you know, there's another significant point here, Brian. And, and each one of those things is that here's, this is what qualifies a disciple, I think. And that is, even though we don't understand at the time, we trust and believe that's true. Mm. And we wait for revelation. And I and, and, a, and a, a disciple's prayer is, Lord, I don't understand why this is going on, but I trust you. I feel like that I am being slain here, Lord, but still I will trust you. And I will wait on you. And my hope is in you, though I don't see any way this is going to 
turn out good. This is what a disciple does. They wait it out. And I think that's what was displayed by those disciples who did not desert him. Yeah, they had a temporary lapse. They did. And it was prophesied that he'd be by himself in it. And they fulfilled prophecy. But when it's all over, they were back, and then he used them to build the church. I love what you're saying about even when we don't understand it, which they didn't really understand what he was doing when he washed their feet. They didn't understand why he's saying, eat my flesh, drink my, that we still trust. And I'm thinking about, I had lunch with a guy yesterday who has just been diagnosed with bladder cancer. And uh, he's a little bit fearful right now, just not knowing what the, what the future holds, what's going to, you know, what the course of action is. They might have to remove his whole bladder and he doesn't know what that's going to look like. He's, and he, and he said to me, he said, all the things that I used to put stock in and, and put my hope in have all been stripped away. He goes, he goes, now it's like, Lord, you're all I got. Where else, where else can I go? You're, you're the only one I can count on. You're the only one, you know, I, even though he doesn't understand what's happening or what's going to, the future is going to hold, but he's saying, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm you're, you're all I got. You're my only hope. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that, that we reach a purity of faith. In the, especially in these desperate moments like that, well, we do, and and I, and that's where that's where the trial turns to treasure. We talk about that all the time. That trial turns to treasure if if we will entrust it to the Lord and let Him walk us through it. And Brian, uh, every one of us is going to die. Some of us die different ways, and then some of us have a a death sentence, and and it, it it's delayed. And but, but everybody's got to face the issue of mortality. And the earlier you begin to embrace your limited mortality, the better you begin to live with the mortality that's left. Mm. You live in a high place and a close place with him. And every everything is sweet. Every day is beautiful and wonderful. Uh, you count the days, you count the hours. Uh, and then ultimately, you, you have to come to grips with this, and that is the rest of my life is just not about me. It's about the purpose of my king. Now, what do I do to serve him these last few days? And that's when the greatest fruit in our life is often born, is in those desperate, desperate places that we are. Mm. Well, let's let's go back to the upper room and just think about what, so what can our influencers out there who are want to be disciples of Jesus, what can they learn from the upper room and what Jesus did in washing the feet? What, 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 what are some lessons I think for that we can take from that Rocky? Well, there, 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 there are two aspects of disciple becoming a disciple and being a disciple. And one is that you, you, you need to be discipled and then, then you need to make disciples. Those two things are very important, but you can't make disciples unless you are a disciple. But if you are a disciple, then that's the next stage of your discipleship is to be about the task of making disciples. So let's talk about becoming a disciple. You know, I've been a part of a lot of discipleship programs, and I think that it's an overused word now. 20 years ago when we started Influencers, it was rarely used. It really was. It was very outside of church vocabulary. Uh, it was mo- more the more for a parachurch splinter. 
and a lot of those were good. And, and so much of my own uh, fa biblical foundation is because of the, of the disciplines of some discipleship programs that I was a part of. And the disciplines got me into the Word of God. And the Word of God is the one that sets you free. It's the one that really gives you liberty. I was reading this morning in that uh, scripture that you, that you sent out today. No, that was another man sent it out. But he was talking about Psalms 119, about uh, God's precepts is, li or li is life. Mm. And I journaled on that. Gosh, what does that mean? God's precepts are lead, are lead to life. And, and I got to thinking about that, and I realized that, you know, there are several types, kinds of life. There's a good life, and there's a bad life. There's a fruitful life and a futile life. And uh, some people don't want to live because they hate their life. And, and I do believe God's word is designed to lead us into a good life, a, in fact, a great life, and in fact, a fruitful life. But then that, that's only dealing with a mortal life. But then that God's word leads us into eternal life. And, and so everywhere you look, the precepts of God, God's word leads us into life, a quality of life, a purpose of life, and a destination of life. And this is what we learn in discipleship. As we dive into the word of God, we get the theology in us. But if you, if you stop it there and you don't take it any further, then it's not going to accomplish what it does. Now, you you mentioned before that I like to imagine things. I read the word and I like to imagine, get into it. What, the reason I do that, Brian, is because I like to imagine being a human being, hearing these words for the first time. And what that in, in all the settings that were around that. And I have the advantage of looking back in retrospect on those people's lives and what happened when they when they heard stuff like, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And how offensive that was, and actually how frightened it was to think that they might be following a madman. But then to track their life and watch what happened through there, it teaches me that there is personal application that needs to be made with the Word of God. And so what I do is that I, I use my imagination to try to take the Word of God deeply, deeply within my soul and try to allow it to, to meditate there. What does this mean? How does this direct me? Uh, how does this comfort me? How does this teach me? Where do I go with this? And those kind, types of transitions from the mind to the heart is where discipleship is formed. You don't, you don't become a disciple just by knowledge. You become a disciple by surrender, by love, and by close proximity with Christ. And we fall short of that. And so when we start moving into understanding that, and that's what the journey does, by the way, is strategic, very strategic in that central part, and that is take person to close proximity with Christ because we believe he disciples them. But when they find that hookup, when they start getting in that abiding relationship, it's going to be real easy to park out there and think it's all about me and I want to finish the rest of my life comfortably in this nice place with Jesus. But he won't, he won't let you. He's going to be always saying, now go make disciples. Teach them what I've taught you. 
And that's what a disciple does. They're disciples, and then they make disciples. And when they make disciples, they grow as a disciple. So that's my answer to you in a long, long-winded way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I love. I was just still thinking about what you said about that they were probably spending time meditating on after Jesus died. They probably were going back to the Old Testament scriptures and studying and meditating like you're talking about. And that was part of how he, the spirit, pieced the puzzle back together for them and helped them understand what was going on there. Yeah. And and it was a real challenge to them to to be like, you know, if they ever thought they were, if they ever got puffed up, like, yeah, we're the first church, we're the, we're the original 12 or whatever, 11. Um, they were saw they were the last thing they saw Jesus do was wash their feet, was to be a servant leader. To, to get down and do that. And so it was, and, and so when he was, when they look back and think he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, or you show you're my disciples by the way you love one another. It started probably all connecting. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you. I think the more we're in, in the word and, and seeking him in his word, uh, it starts changing us. It does. And it, it really does start allowing the Holy Spirit to bear the fruit, to make us look more like Jesus. Yeah. And it, it all connects. Um, if we're not, if we're not seeking him, if we're not in the word, if we're just out trying to make our own way and then give him our leftovers on Sunday morning, then uh, it's really hard to, we won't get it. We've all tried that and it doesn't work. Yeah. Brian, I think a disciple doesn't look far down the road. I think a disciple is 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 day to day walking with Jesus and entrusting the future to Him, and I do believe that about the, the apostles. I believe that they uh, dealt with what was right around them. You know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the world. That's what Jesus said. And when He's talking about Jerusalem, He's talking about right here now. Judea is kind of the bigger area, and then Samaria is is a remote area from Israel within Israel. But anyway, the, the, the bottom line out of that thing is that I think that they were just dealing with daily walking with Jesus and encouraging and strengthening the brothers and sisters of Christ who came to know him right then. They had no idea what this would be like 2,000 years later. I don't think that they uh, could see it, and I certainly don't think they could plan it. They could never have planned it. It had to be under the direction of the Holy Spirit. But they did their part. That's what a disciple does. He, he plays a part in a very magnificent plan. Mm. And it's the same way with us now. We just play our part. And, and our part is extremely strategic and important, though we don't know it. We might not see the fruit of it our, our entire life, and we think we've lived our our life um, in a wasted way. But if we're faithful, if we're abiding with Christ, he promised you'll bear fruit. And oftentimes the fruit is later. But the, but the greatest fruit is the pleasure that we have from him who says, well done. You're obedient. You abided in me. And I'll do, I prom I'll do what I promised. You'll bear fruit. Hmm. I like that. I, I'm, I'm still thinking about that lunch I had yesterday, and uh, we had a mutual friend show up, and and uh, the guy who's been diagnosed with cancer said, "I look pretty good for a, a man who's dying, don't I?" 
and uh, my other friend said, well, hey, I'm dying too. You know, it's like, it's kind of the point where we're all, we don't know how much longer we have and none of us. And COVID's kind of taught us that, I think. Uh, and so uh, I love what you said. We don't need to look too far down the road. We just need to abide with him and see what he's got for us today and be faithful to what's right in front of us, what, what we can do, how we can serve, how we can love others. And when we do that, we look a lot more like Jesus. It's, that's it. I think the days are in his hands. The plan is in his hands. But what is in our hands is, will I be obedient today? Will I, will I love him? Will I allow him to love me? Will I allow his love to flow through me? Will I embrace my days with a sacred responsibility? Will I prioritize my life around what I think are the godly principles that he's given me to, for influence, which is to love my wife and encourage her and love my children, encourage them and, and my grandchildren, and then to the people around me, such as you and other people that I'm in contact with. I don't have to go far to use my influence, but it's strange, Brian, because I have never looked outside of that. And yet God has used my influence uh, uh, very broadly. And, and I think it's because he chose to do it. And it was not something I chose to do. It's not something I tried to do. I had no vision for doing that. And I've said this so many times, my vision is simply try to walk with Jesus every day. Mm. That's, that's all I want to try to do. But, but he has shown me that this abiding in him bears fruit beyond anything I could have ever imagined. Mm. And I know it's true not just for me, but it's for every person that will make it their journey and surrender and priority to live in close proximity with Christ. And he will not waste that life. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Rocky. I think our time is up, but uh, thank you for your time. We, we pray all of you out there will just have a blessed Easter and um, get as you get together with your families, as you go to places of worship, however you're doing it, we just pray that you just feel his pleasure in you and your life and, and that he just keeps challenging. I know he's challenging all of us to just keep being faithful to what he's put in front of us. And there's so many more people that need to know about Jesus, so many more people that need to learn the secret of abiding in Christ. And, and so uh, we got a lot of work left to do, but uh, we just have to let him guide us into all that. So um, I, I, Rocky, I, I can now officially say our new website is live. <laughs> so it's not, no more a false promise. It's out there. So if you haven't checked out our new website, go, go check that out at influencers.org. It's a, it's a, it's a fulfillment of a six month promise. It'll happen any day now. <laughs> <laughs> You got all. You got to wait for good things, you know. So, hey, Brian, uh, let me say one thing before we go, if I can. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, uh, uh, the Catholics and the Protestants uh, have a different uh, cross. Uh, the Catholics have a crucifix, which has, you know, the form of Jesus hanging on the cross, because uh, they want us to remember what happens Friday, and that's their big, big emphasis is the sacrifice that that Jesus made. And we need to remember that. They're right on on that. But the Protestants cross does not have the body on there because they say, remember, the tomb is empty. He's no longer on that cross. 
And honestly, I kind of think that it'd be good to wear both of those. Mm. I think one to remember what he does did on Friday and, and then Sunday what he did then too, because it's the package deal. So let's, let's remember both of those good Friday and Sunday time of grieving and a time of celebration. And now we're into Easter as we should. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, this has been the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. I've been your host, and I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go big disciples. God bless you.